What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Grassroots Roundtable Podcast. I'm your host. You know me. I'm your boy, Adam, the A-game, Bailey, joined by Darren Cherry. And we are just a couple of elders of a local church hanging out on a Thursday morning after a big old tub of Tudor's coffee and biscuit blissful goodness. (sighs) Biscuity blissful goodness. How you been? Entirely too busy is how I've been, but I'm still doing well. So uh, we did get, I know we're going to do another episode on feedback, and I did get a little bit of feedback from my wife yesterday on this podcast. Okay. Do you, did you ever watch Psych? Nope. Okay. First of all, you need to watch it because it's a fantastic show. Second of all, they just came out with the second movie. Mm-hmm. So that is it NBC now has the the streaming service called Peacock. That and, makes sense, but I don't know. <laughs> and and they've got all the rights to Psych, and they have the whole series. They got all the seasons. They got the first movie, and they put out the second movie. And we watched it last night. And I absolutely love that cast. They got the whole cast back. Just great, 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 great series of movies. So, so you want to bring the Psych cast on the podcast? I've called. And they've declined. Ah, oh, darn. But one of the humorous parts of that show is that every time the main uh, character, Sean, introduces his best friend, the other main character, Gus, he gives him an entirely different name. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm Sean Spencer, and this is my friend, Hollaback Atcha. Like, literally, that's one of the ones he called him one time. And, and you know, Gus always goes, hello. Like, that's one of the humorous things. And Kelly said that she always thinks of Psych when we have our podcast, when she listens, because you always introduce me in a different way. I think I called you your Royal Highness. Yeah, there's always something. I usually like to call you the main man. You got to end with that. The main man, lead elder, Grassroots Church, Darren Shari. But but it's always somewhere, so I need to just start going, hello. Fly boy. That's all I'm going to start, like, from now, hello. Well, hey. Because that's how Gus does. A-game is catching. I have (laughs) people, our lovely, loyal listeners, out on the streets will come up to me and be like, sup, A-game? It's like, well, okay, that's only happened like once, and it was online, but still, uh, that's a 100% increase. <laughs> who was I talking to? Somebody was like, I said, I got a meeting today, and somebody was like, with A-game? Oh, A-game over here. Who, who was B-game. it? Ah, I can't remember, but it's all it's so good. I'm the A-game with a B average on my <laughs> Technically, you could be the A-B-game, because you are A-B Adam game. Bailey. I could be ABBA. You could <laughs> I'll be Abba. Can we get their their music as theme music? Take a chance on me. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know the other words. <laughs> Do you know that song? Take a yes. <laughs> I'm just sitting here thinking about if people take tune chance, to the podcast chance, next time and and uh, music from Abba is, is on here. Young and clean. Hey, what's up? It's the Grassroots <laughs> Roundtable Podcast. This is AB Game. Adam Bailey. Well, the way I see it, we can joke around and be lighthearted now because we're going to get into some pretty heavy stuff. We Probably have a tough subject today. There's a topic I've been wanting to cover on this podcast for a while. It's incredibly relevant. And to put this into perspective, there has been one topic I feel like when it comes to faith and social interaction, one topic that seems to be the defining topic. Everybody wants to know what churches think about this one topic. And based on how people feel about this one topic, you can kind of get a sense of their entire theology somehow, which is inaccurate and unfair. That is the topic of sexuality. And we thought, you know, since you and I are the most masculine 
experts on sexuality. I mean, we're 100% got it down. 100%. <laughs> no struggles whatsoever. I mean, we played the newlywed game on this podcast. <laughs> That's about where we are. And just, just for the sake of maybe somebody's a new listener. Maybe they haven't caught up on all. Take a chance on me. <laughs> maybe they haven't caught up on all of our um, podcasts, all our, our sessions or whatever. Who won that? Uh, you did. Yeah, that's right. I did. <laughs> By one. I'm. <laughs> well, that maybe because you're just more complex. And I'm. I wear my emotions on my sleeve. Oh, you know there's me. layers. There's layers to me. Man. You're an onion. There's layers. You're a golden onion. There's like the top layer, and then there's another one. I'm a banana. It's like you take the peel off. It's like, oh, it's just another <laughs> banana. It <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the deeper parts of Adam Bailey. <laughs> I did it again. I'm already coughing. I'm telling you. Listen, what is going on? If you are not aware of this, y'all, he and I could hang out for a couple of hours, and he'll never get choked up, never cough, never have to sneeze anything. And then we get in front of these mics, and something happens. Every time. I think it's I the feel amount bad. of disinfectant. Like, I feel bad for him. Here, before we get into you know sexuality and uh, just give a few comments about it, you know, I have allergies, and I have asthma. The two are related. One messes up with the other often. So we talk about COVID-19 and how it's, you know, extra dangerous for those with asthma and pre-existing respiratory conditions, you know, stuff like that. You know what else is really tough on people who have asthma? Disinfectant, which is everywhere. Yeah. So, I mean, I struggle with that, too. So it's like I'm in here. It's like, in a good way, clean and disinfected. It's like, <laughs> well, when we had, uh, oh, back in March, when we had people come in and disinfect the theater before we had the gathering, it was our last gathering before the shutdown. And when we went to open back up, of course, we had a leadership meeting, elders and deacons and wives and everybody. And That was a good meeting. It was. It was good to just, like, talk to everybody. But back in the day. When everybody came together, you know, we talked about opening the theater back up and cleaning. Um, One of our deacons' wives spoke up. She's a nurse. And she was like, hey, make sure that on Sunday morning to only use the anti-back wipes. Because if you use disinfectant sprays, people coming in, it can affect their breathing. And I never even thought about that. Perfumes, too. Like, certain perfumes will rock my world in a bad way. Not in a good way. (laughs) Not in a good way. way. (laughs) I mean, some perfumes, yeah. Maybe your wife knows the ones that are the other way. It's like your smell takes my breath away. (laughs) I'm about to say something that's going to be bad. Uh, Elderly ladies. Like, let's say 90-year-old elderly. There's a certain type of, like, perfumey smell that I feel like elderly have is that okay anyway that's hard on me but hey i didn't speak about like wearing masks and stuff what's the proper etiquette if you have to sneeze but you're wearing a mask and you're in front of people like what i just i've done that twice at work and the best i can do is just sneeze into the mask and be like excuse me walk behind a curtain and throw it away and put on a new one i think yeah i think uh you you kind of unhook it real quick and sneeze into the elbow i think the funny one is people that have masks on that sneeze into their elbow it's, it's going to the same place. Well, thank you for trying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, it, and and we're gonna we're gonna have to have a we're gonna have to have a podcast one of these days on what it means to show grace, because I have found within myself now just on the subject of masks, and we're gonna we're gonna sideline quick if we don't hurry, but I always wear a mask now going to the public. Okay, governor asked us to do that going to respect the authorities and i've even seen i even heard on the news today there are certain businesses you know walmart walmart um i think i heard kroger i think i heard sam's club they're going to require you before the business is going to require you 
to wear a mask. And so I, I've been wearing one for weeks now, and it's cool. I do it. It's not get that used big to it. a deal. It's not, it's not hard at all. Yeah. It's not too inconvenient. But uh, when I see people not wearing a mask, man, that pride starts to well up in me. And it's kind of this you looking go to down on them. And yeah, you can't do that. Go towards you. Them. What is wrong with you? You're ruining everything. It's like, no, like i got to show some grace. One, I learn one thing about grace. it, though, you used to sneeze in public in a polite way, and everybody's like, God bless you, bless you. You sneeze in public now, you might as well be like, what are you doing out devil? of your house? It's like, achoo. It's like, oh, run away from him. It's like, guys, bless me. Excuse me. Uh, anyway, back on track. So if you're a first-time listener, hope you enjoyed that little mini rabbit hole. If you're a first-time listener, this is how every podcast starts. But we're, we're going somewhere with this. The whole reason why we wanted to start this podcast, well, two reasons. One was for those involved in our church to kind of like open up the curtain a little bit, kind of behind-the-scenes type of stuff. The two church leaders having a conversation to invite the church into the conversation. And also, second reason for the podcast, those outside of the church as well. So someone who might not be, you know, someone who didn't grow up in church, they don't know the lingo, the verbiage, instead of sending them to the sermon series and being bogged down with intense, deep theology, they can listen to a couple of dudes having a conversation, and it's a little bit more lighthearted, but we also want to invite them into the conversation, and that's the point. We want feedback. We want y'all to listen to us. Give us feedback. Join the conversation. That's that's all this is. Please. And, you know, today we want to talk about sexuality, because as I mentioned before, that seems to be like the the trench issue, you know. Like that is the dividing social issue when it comes to the church. Everyone wants to know what the church thinks about, you know, homosexuality and where they stand on gay marriage. Uh, I think the best way to approach this, we're not going to exclusively talk about homosexuality, although this is going to include homosexuality. We're going to try to put homosexuality into a bigger branch of just overall sexuality, big picture, so we can maintain some biblical consistency. Yeah. Yeah, I, I we want to. We want to cover. We want to go big picture. Big picture, like the the biggest picture ever. Yeah, because really, really what big. we end up doing, if we try to like single out homosexuality, it it's and it happens in churches. Like there there be a list of like if you don't do these things, you're probably doing okay. And and I actually saw a read an article yesterday um, from the Gospel Coalition that talks about uh, the sins that are acceptable within the reformed community. And when I started looking at them, it's things like gossip and um, slander. Yeah. And then even arrogance, uh, the sin of, um, Oh, kind of questioning people's motives and, and doing things like there were these ones that they're, they were really obscure, but it was like, I'm looking at the reformed community that I'm a part of and going, yeah, yeah, and so we want we don't want to just be like, hey, as long as you're not gay, then you're doing okay. It's not that. What we you're want trying to, look to say sexuality is as a whole. you can be straight and be sexually immoral. Bum, immoral. bum, bum. What? Immoral. Amoral? Immoral. No, amoral is having no morals. Immoral is having bad morals. Sexually, <laughs> sexually immortal. <laughs> immortal. <laughs> You, wow. So I want to handle it this way. Um, you've been in ministry longer than I have. You've probably had this conversation a few more times. Have I been in ministry longer than you have? Uh, or just probably. full-time ministry? Pro- yeah, both. I mean, I've been doing ministry since like 2009. Okay, yep. So 11 years. So mine, I'm and 2001. You're, older, you're wiser. You write into leather-bound books with a quill. I mean, you've got this. So I'm going <laughs> to... 
I do have a map of Middle Earth in my office. That's awesome. That would be like the the most balling thing ever is if someone comes into your office and you are doing that, <laughs> using a quilt to write on parchment. Do you parchment. know what I'm going to start doing? I'm going to start keeping that stuff readily available so that every time somebody walks into my <laughs> so office. As soon as someone walks in, you put your stuff, <laughs> yeah. you put your phone and computer away. I might have been like, typing on the computer, but all of a sudden I'm writing with pen and quill. Imagine you walking up ink. here on a Sunday morning or on our live stream uh, Sunday gatherings. Uh, online stuff. Imagine you're like, okay, let's read scripture and just pull out a scroll. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to have one of those videos. Like if we do one of our uh, pre-recorded videos where I'm making an announcement or something like, hey, hey. I'm like, I'm like writing with that, and the the, <laughs> the camera pans into me, and I go, oh, well, hello, church. Hello. Uh, as I sit here in my office, <laughs> I was just solving life, but welcome to my study. All right, Darren, let's start here. I'm going to play devil's advocate. I'm basically going to interview you, just ask you questions. Uh, I will do my best. Holding a position that I don't necessarily agree with, but again, and I'm saying this because you probably had this conversation more than I have, and uh, quite frankly, people want to know more what you think than me. (laughs) People. But anyway, sexuality. Where do we start with that? Why do we have sexuality? Yeah, the first thing that we always have to start with is uh, creative order, creative purpose. And that starts with the fact that we do have a creator, God, and he gets to determine what we're made for and what we're made to. Mm -hmm. So what we're created for. I always use this example. Um, You can imagine, uh, and you might remember this as I start to get into it, you can imagine um, a huge factory and this huge factor that has all these machines that are running and they're creating, you know, they're building something. Just imagine they're, you can think whatever you want to that they're building, but they're building something. Their factory is building rubber. They are building rubber chairs. Okay, cool. So rubber chairs are being built uh, in this factory. And all, like, you get to the center of this factory, and the center of this factory is this um, engine that runs the entire factory. So all of these machines that are running, you know, the components to build these rubber chairs are running off this one engine. And that engine runs off a of kerosene. Okay, so you put the kerosene in, and that's what allows the engine to combust, and it allows, you know, what, what, whatever's needed. That's, just, you know, and for all of you engine people out there, don't. I know. I'm like, uh, don't combust. Set it. We know Does kerosene combust. Yeah, like, I guess it has to. It has a super low combustible. That's why it burns. It's like a Snapdragon compared to a Fourth of July. At yeah, the yeah. York. It's just super low compared to like gasoline. So, but you imagine this engine runs off of kerosene, and then somebody comes in and sees that it's running low, so they shut down the machine, they fill it with gas, and then they turn the machine back on. Well, this machine that runs this factory that's meant to run off kerosene now is full of something that is, like we just said, way more combustible than, than kerosene is gasoline. What's going to happen? Chaos. Okay, so the engine is not going to work properly. Most likely, it's even going to blow up, which is going to affect the, the parts moving out from there, you know, the machines that are doing. We do that with the creative order and with sexuality. Where God created us, you look in Genesis, starts in chapter 1 with kind of the overview, goes into chapter 2 with a little more detail. We were created, male and female, as sexual beings, okay, reproduce. God gave the mandate, be fruitful and multiply, okay? And so we were created with the parts. We'll let your imagination go from there. Um, oh, no, he didn't. Yeah, it just happened. And, well, Matt Chandler always put it awesome. He, it's, he always like, listen, 
Satan didn't catch God not looking and come in and slap the penis on the man, and then God looking and is like, wait, what's this? Like, what, who put that there? You know, it's like God did this, okay? And he created us for the purpose of working, and I'm going to use this word biologically together, for the purpose of recreation. Nice. Well and, and a deeper, deeper subject that we don't have time here for, uh, but is that sexuality within marriage um, is an act of worship to God. It is a, a good gift, a really good gift from God um, for the purpose of recreation, of re, not recreation, reproduction, but also worship. Okay, I got you. So basically you're saying sexuality, the main reason it was given to us by a creative God is to procreate, reproduction. Yes, and it's and in that it's an act of worship because he's commanded us to be fruitful and multiply. And I listen, I know if y'all are listening to this and you're like, hey, we we want kids, but we've not been able to have kids, and and there's a lot of things that go into that, I understand. Um, but it is an act of worship and intimacy within marriage. Okay. So And he you, gets you got, to decide. Because he's creator God, so he gets to decide what sexuality is. You got Genesis 1, where it's like, Adam and Eve, go forth and multiply, reproduce, do your biological duty, procreate. That was given to man and woman to share, so that way they can continue life, if you will, biological life. Mm -hmm. What happened? Where did it go wrong? Because, you know, you read a few chapters over, you know, you have Sodom and Gomorrah and other neighboring towns where something's obviously wrong. So why does sexuality suddenly become wrong? Boiled down to one word, sin. Okay, so we see in Adam and Eve, we see the rebellion against God. So God gives them the garden, gives them everything. There's one tree in there. Don't eat this tree. Okay, knowledge of good and evil. Stay away from that one. Uh, their rebellion to decide that we're going to choose what we do and we're going to eat the fruit. And so sin enters, rebellion enters. Now everything's perverted. 100% of creation is not good. It's It's been perverted. It's been, and I know everybody hears that word perverted. You know, pervert, it's not that. Like literally, it had a purpose going one direction, and now that purpose has gone another direction. We were created to bring glory to God, to be in relationship with him, to be in communion with him. But now we've decided that we are God. We are going to decide what happens. We want to you know, make the calls for our own lives. And part of that is the purpose of sex. Sex has always been for reproduction, but also, once again, listen, intimacy within marriage and an act of worship to God. But we've decided, and, and for whatever you think of him, Mark Driscoll, Okay, for all the mm -hmm. crap he's been through and stuff. But back when he was doing his real marriage uh, series, he was doing a tour with his wife. They, my wife and I actually went to it in Lynchburg, a uh, big weekend conference on it. He has this pendulum of sex where it's, it's the pendulum is, is it God or gross? Okay, and so when sex is gross, it's sex is for the purpose of reproduction, and that's it. Okay, and, and I'm not trying to be crass here, but get in, get out, get it over with, okay, and you're done. Like you've, you've fulfilled your duty. Or that it's God, that it's for my pleasure. It has nothing to do with the other person. It has nothing to do. That's why people hook up with whoever they want. It's 
this is for me to feel good and for me to feel loved and wanted for whatever reason, you know, whatever's in there. And and so he's like the pendulum. He said for him in his early years, it was God. He was pursuing sex as God. For his wife, it was gross and, and understanding coming to the conclusion that it's 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 beautiful and it's created by God for the glory of God and for reproduction and to to multiply. So sin perverted it where we made it about us. Yeah, so up front it was a way to reproduce, it was a way to worship, and it was a way to bring people closer together in intimacy. In marriage. In marriage, exactly. But isn't that kind of Old Testament-esque? Because I know a lot of people bring up, okay, so you're talking about sexual immorality. You go back and look at the Old Testament law, and, and some would say, well, back then... You know, well, if, if you disagree with homosexuality, then you shouldn't eat shellfish and you shouldn't eat pork because the Old Testament, according to the law, says you, you can't do that. So it's like sexuality is wrong, eating shellfish is wrong, all these things are wrong. Um, so do you think that it's wrong to eat shellfish or are you kind of contradicting yourself and saying that we're picking and choosing parts of the Old Testament to believe? Yeah, and, and I don't want to belittle the people that point that out because I do at least appreciate them going to scripture. Um, but the problem is they go to it without the full picture. So Old Testament law setting the nation of Israel apart. Okay. Um, which would also mean, okay, so if we want to get into this, uh, you know, oh, then you can't eat shellfish, things like that. Okay. It also means ladies, um, you wouldn't be allowed into town, uh, for the week of the month that's not as fun for you as it could be. <laughs> I don't know how to get to the point. That time of the month. It would have been fine had you just like went through the statement without stopping. Yeah. The, Sorry. Your, your boss has made it awkward. Sorry. <laughs> I it. made it awkward. I we didn't want to, it to be awkward, but I made it We need to put awkward. like a listener warning on the podcast. <laughs> it's true. But, but it like there's all these things in there, but the reason was that God was physically and in the sight of other nations setting the nation of Israel apart in certain ways. Well, then with the coming of Christ, um, he said, I've come and fulfilled the law because all those rules of the law were there to show you, hey, you can't follow the law. Like, follow these rules and you will attain holiness. You will be holy before God. But with the law, he gave us a sacrificial system that covered where we broke the law because none of us are able to follow it. But then Jesus shows up, follows the law, completes the law, fulfills the law. And after that, we see the the parts of the law that are no longer um, in play. For instance, you know, whether you can cut your hair or not, or if you are sick, having to have a, you know, Ladies, that time of the month, you didn't have to be separated from. I mean, the sacrificial the people, system. The sacrificial system. Jesus was that. That and I've always explained it like this. Sacrifice. It's like someone hands you a test with a hundred questions on it, and it's like the you've been taking the test. If you get all one hundred questions right, you obviously get a hundred. If you even miss one of them, you get a zero. And that's whenever you start taking tests, it's like you realize that you can't even answer any of them right, let alone one. And then Jesus comes, gets a hundred on the test, and he imputes his score upon you. So the Old Testament law is kind of like that test. You know, if yeah. you can do all these things perfectly, boom, you're righteous. Uh, but not only can you not do all those things, you can't even do one perfectly. But Jesus did because he was righteous. He was pure. It was a good, holy yeah, sacrifice. Yeah, and that's where into the New Testament we see um, 
huge arguments that surround the the Jewish people circumcision still want to follow the law and and Paul Paul's biggest part of his ministry was bringing unity between Jews and Gentiles in the church you know that's if you look throughout his writings so much of it was about that and it's because they still want to follow law and he's going listen these dietary laws no longer needed these sacrificial systems no longer needed the physical you know like you just said circumcision no longer you know necessary to be counted in the family of God and that was hard for the Jews and understandably of course the gentiles are like awesome like we didn't want to do those things anyway but that's where we see those those laws uh, that were like you just said, eating shellfish, those things are no longer needed. But from Jesus through the apostles to the early church to now, we see the biblical mandate for sexuality. Correct, which is kind of my next question. There's a difference then in sexuality in the Old Testament and New Testament. When Jesus came, it changed. So what should sexuality look like now? We, we're not under the law of the Old Testament. Obviously, something else is different because of Christ and his sacrifice. So what should sexuality look like? Well, when you say it changed, what do you mean? Well, back then, you know, uh, how many concubines could one man have and how many wives could they have? You have Jacob with, like, two wives as he got tricked. <laughs> yeah. The old switcheroo on Jacob. That's what I said Sunday to teach. I was like, listen, don't be <laughs> mad at me. I'm just telling you what it is. He loved Rachel, but he got stuck with Leah. Okay, yeah. so, yeah, and that's one of the things that people often bring up, that in, in the Old Testament, it's never really, like, condemned polygamy. And, and having these concubines. But what we do see is that it's never going well. You know, and we look at David with Michael, who's a lady, uh, Michael and uh, Bathsheba. Bathsheba. Well, and, and you look at the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the, the, really the, the chaos in their families because of multiple wives. And then ultimately, if you really want to look at the ultimate example the wisest man to ever lived, Solomon, with all of his wives and concubines, was that's one of the biggest factors for the downfall of Israel. Was a, this many? Now listen, don't get mad at me. Listen to what we're saying. Don't get mad. Don't. Where's JMC? Don't hear what I'm not saying. Okay. It's not that he had all these women, but all these women bringing in their false gods. And so because of all these women and bringing these false gods and, and you know, it, it, it's never good. And so in the New Testament, we see from, from Jesus on one man, one woman. Which is where we are now. Yeah. And that Matthew is... 18, Matthew 18, Jesus actually reiterates uh, what is spoken by Moses in Genesis chapter 1. Okay, what's recorded by Moses, Genesis chapter 1, where God creates Adam, he creates Eve, said he created them male and female. Okay, male and female, he created them. Like literally does that, that repetitive speech to make the point. And then uh, says the husband will leave 
his father, mother, and cleave to his wife, which is kind of funny because you know Adam didn't have a <laughs> didn't have a mommy and daddy, but he's showing marriage. He left Eden. I mean, yeah, yeah. He, went, he went east. <laughs> he, he he went from the you know east part of the garden to the west part. But but he um he is brought to Eve. They are they come together. So one man, one woman brought together. And Jesus in Matthew eighteen actually reiterates that when they're asking about divorce he's like what did Moses say oh one man one woman in marriage and then we see it move from there into the apostles uh where you know Paul of course you know we look at Ephesians chapter 5 which is yeah, we're about to get into some Corinthians here in a second too yeah in Ephesians he's talking about um you know the husband uh you know being the the husband he should to his wife, okay, that man being to his wife, and how marriage, and this is the big part, this is the big picture thing here, that marriage was designed to show us something about our relationship as Christians to our Savior Jesus and to our Heavenly Father. And it he says that marriage, I guess, is a mystery, and here's the mystery we as the church are the bride of Christ. And so he is the groom and marriage shows that groom and that bride, you know, how we are to come together and we are not to separate and we are to stay together and be faithful. Intimately as one flesh. Yes. And that's what uh, it is. And then of course, you know, what you are talking about in first Corinthians. Yeah. Uh, first Corinthians, Seven, you know, Paul is writing obviously to the Corinthians, and he's talking about if you, as a man, cannot control yourself, as a woman, if you can't control yourself sexually, you need to get married because that type of relationship is only found in marriage, which, as the Bible defines, the scripture defines as one man and one woman. So it it hits all those things we talked about earlier. It's like procreation. Yes, one man, one woman, one woman in marriage can procreate. Boom. That's the way that it was intended. Uh, and the, the kind of like the pleasure side of it, too. I mean, sex is fun. Yay. Uh, one man and one woman, they can, you know, enjoy each other on a deeper, more intimate level. Um, so, yeah, it, it kind of hits all those trademarks, all those, uh, not trademarks, but all those marks from, like, the Old Testament. Oh, he trademarks sex. Trademarks. Like, trademark. God trademarked it. <laughs> sex. DM. <laughs> <laughs> Copyright. My, my idea. <laughs> No, it's not my idea. It was God's. But if it was, no, I'm kidding. But, but that, yeah, that's where that's we are now. That's the sexuality. And, and that is where we come from because people will ask. It is a very divisive topic. And I will occasionally have someone come and ask, and I think you and I both um, have been texted before. It's like, hey, I know some people who are wondering what your opinions are about LGBTQ individuals. Like, where does your stand? And it's like, first and foremost, as we interpret Scripture, sexuality, is between one biological man, one biological woman, an institution given us for procreation and to enjoy an intimate relationship. In marriage. Correct. Yes. And, so, and, but yeah. th- there's a little bit of a but to it. And here's my big beef. And I, I've, been on this, uh, I've been on this beef train for a while because I do think that the church throughout the you know, past few decades especially has kind of singled out. Oh, not kind of. Oh, they have. They absolutely have called out the LGBTQ individuals. And I feel like the impression is basically for Christians to say, hey, God forgives all sins, but because our sins are straight sins, they're, they're better. I mean, at least they're not gay sins. Like the sins of a homosexual are almost unforgivable. Un- unforgivable. They're worse than the, 
uh, sexual sins of a straight person. That's the yeah. impression. And and I'm I, I know many people that would identify as gay or lesbian, and I've worked with them in the past before. And that's usually thing. It's like they're ostracized from the church. They don't feel welcome in the church, and the church has been so militant against them while turning a blind eye to divorce, while turning a blind eye to pornography. I feel like sometimes, but it's like put all those things aside. We're going to go uh, aggressively in opposition against homosexuality or transgenderism. And I, I think that that's wrong. Yeah, and and here here's... Christians would all admit this. We all struggle with something. There's some kind of sin in our lives that we struggle with. But exactly what you just said, we get that mindset of... And, and I'm not trying to make a joke here, but it is kind of... It, it, kind of sounds humorous for a second, but, you know, well, at least I'm not gay. And it's like, okay, you know, I, I, I see what you're saying there. Um, but, but it always goes back to, and this is why we, if you look in our constitution, okay, our constitution, not, not U.S. constitution, grassroots constitution. Hey, wait, he's pulling out a, he's pulling out a parchment. Yep. I am un, he's unfurling the scroll. <laughs> unfurling? Yes. Yeah. Is that right? So. Unfurling. I like it. Holy cow. Like I totally... So if you fold something, is it furling? Oh crap! That um, I'm going to furl the napkin. I'm furling it back up. Um, but uh, <laughs> he saw what he needed. But yeah, but but the scroll <laughs> says um, <laughs> it says that uh, you know it's got a belief statement that where we stand on God, you know Trinity, Jesus, Holy Spirit, baptism, communion, um, the Bible. But it also has a statement on marriage, and uh, a huge reason for that is we are making sure people know up front where we stand. We want to be transparent. We do. But also for the fact that we're not deciding what sexuality is. We're not deciding what sin is. We are doing our best to look at Scripture, understand Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, and go, here's what God's Word says. And it is very clear to us what God's Word says on sexuality. And that's why, you know, that if, if somebody were to walk in to the gathering on a Sunday morning or were to contact us uh, through the website or because of this podcast, for whatever reason, they contact us and they say, listen, I have an addiction to pornography. I need help. Then we would walk through the steps of, you know, repentance and reconciliation and all of the, the things that need to happen so that somebody can get freedom from that perversion of sexuality. Because we could point to a lot of things, the results of pornography. A lot of people want to say it's just harmless entertainment. But listen, I'm not even going to do it here. I could if I needed to look it up and show you the statistics are overwhelming as to how damaging it is, how, how uh, dangerous pornography is okay or we say garbage in garbage out and the yeah previous and podcast. it's so dangerous and and so but we would walk them through all those steps and i think churches by and large uh would welcome somebody in because if they had an addiction robbery even if they didn't have it because you can't see that right you can't see that they have an addiction pornography. now you know a homosexual couple comes in and here's the conversation that's typically going to happen. I'm not putting this on all churches. I'm just saying typically. You're welcome to be here, but. And then they're going to get a list of things. 
that if we see you break you go, anything, repent first and then come in. They're going to give them a list. Like we don't want to see you holding hands. We, you know, you're not going to be able to volunteer. They're treated you're not differently. Be, yeah, and so and that's also what I'm talking about, like how they've been singled out and kind of like gone after. And I, I can't quote the study, but I did hear once that the two uh, groups of children that are most bullied in school are Christians and homosexuals. And it's like, man, there's such an alliance here to be made. And my fear is that the church has been so... Now, it works both both, both ways. Now, there are some instances where uh, some, someone's freedom to practice their faith, I do think, is hindered by some laws where, where those in the LGBT community will actively go against churches, like seek them out and go against them. So it works both ways here. But my fear is that there's been a bridge burned and you know the church and a group of people basically are growing further and further apart and it's kind of hard to see where reconciliation can take place when it, it never should have been like that in the first place you know because the bible tells christians the church to always stand with the marginalized and love them and support them because we're all sinners um and and here's where in our society you know we were talking about this before there's that meme out there it's the big burly bearded guy with a sign that says uh, we can disagree and still be friends. Um, well, the problem is a lot of people that I see posting that picture, you're only going to be friends with them if you agree with them. Okay? They, they'd they like to believe that. They could be friends with people they disagree with. But just because I would love and serve and stand beside somebody who is struggling with sexuality, mm-hmm. whether it be somebody who struggles with, they have an addiction to masturbation they have an addiction to pornography you know the the husband that's sleeping around his wife the wife that's sleeping around her husband the the homosexual the transgender all of those are perversions to sexuality as god designed it as creator and has the right to design it for its purpose um doesn't mean i agree with what they're doing it just means i'm going to be present to remind them of the truth of God's word and what God created us for and the freedom we have in Christ, not freedom to do what we want, but freedom from the sin that entangles us. So sexuality is not defined by the government. It's not defined by the individual. It's not defined by culture. Sexuality, the way we understand it, is defined by Scripture because it was given to us by a creating God. And this is why so many churches, what they want to do is make a statement from the pulpit, and they've taken a stand. But a lot of times a statement from the pulpit can can come across very unloving, and you said the word early, it can marginalize people, and here's why. Well, yeah, it singles them out, like certain groups. Yes. We stand as a church for God's purpose in sexuality and marriage. We stand for God's creative order in male and female. We stand for God's purpose in marriage to show us something about our relationship with Jesus. We stand for God's purpose of sexuality to be within marriage for intimacy and and procreation. We stand for those things. But if we get up in the pulpit on a Sunday, which we don't have a pulpit. We have a, we have a table. table a we, that's what we do. Table. We do t- another round table. And we actually do have a second round table. Um, we make a statement standing against homosexuality. 
first of all, what if, and this is a this is a whole different podcast, but we've got to make sure we touch on it. What if there's somebody within the the rows of seats within grassroots, our church body, that struggles with same-sex attraction, that has had feelings towards, uh, you know, somebody the same sex, and through the Holy Spirit working in their lives, knows that, no, that's not God's design, that's sin you're struggling with, well, now all of a sudden they're going to go, well, who am I going to talk to about this? Who can I get, you know, to you'll, walk you'll alongside the, me? Yeah, and oftentimes I feel like you that individual will leave the church entirely. Yeah, but it's the same way. If, somebody's, if somebody is struggling with alcohol, we don't know. And from the pulpit, we're like, if you're an alcoholic, you don't love Jesus. Well, what if, mm-hmm. The person who's struggling with alcohol in the seat, what are they going to think? How, how are they, they're going to they're gonna either, like you said, leave the church or just continue to hide it. And that's not what we were meant to Can be Can I ask you church. a difficult question? I think we'll end on this one because this is what it comes down to. This is as like basic as I, I think we can put it. Darren, can you be homosexual and be a Christian? Very good question. I mean, that's what, that's what most would want. It's like, am I a Christian? And I struggle with homosexual, like, because you do have some churches yep. Yep. that are confirming, you know, gay and lesbian pastors. Yep. Um, but yeah, can can you be gay so and here be a we Christian? go. Here we go. I know, big one. This is hard. This is hard, everybody. This is this is a tough subject, and we're gonna. You'll just have to forgive us. We're gonna boil it down to kind of simple, and I know there's a lot of variables but we're going to make it as simple as possible. The person that is following Christ and loves Jesus and is addicted to pornography, are they a Christian? They have a sin. They have an addiction to pornography. They need, through the Holy Spirit and with the help of the church, rescued and and redeemed and 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 reconciled uh, from that, that, that addiction. Okay. But they're still a child of God. Okay. Unless you walk to them and say, hey, we know you have this addiction, and they're like, nah, God's okay with it. And God, I know he is. God made me me. Yeah, and I know that this is what he made me to be. This is what I'm supposed to do, and I have no conviction about it in my heart. Scripture says we can tell if somebody's a child of God by the fruit of their life. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if somebody says, I'm gay and I'm a Christian, we then go into, okay, are you living out that lifestyle? Like, hey, this is my and, – and I think the word used to be kind of partner, but, but you know, they could say husband or wife. Um, you know, this is who I'm with. This is my boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. Uh, and – God loves that we're together, and there's no conviction in our heart about it whatsoever, then because of what we know God's Word to say, what He designed marriage for, what they're doing to that institution of marriage, then I would I would lovingly, not from the pulpit, be like, hey, you see those people over there? Yeah, they're not Christian. No, but just lovingly between us, go, hey, let's talk about what it means to be a Christian and a follower of Christ. And I would, I would have to, at that point, say, listen, we, we don't see the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your lives. 
but somebody comes to us and goes, listen, um, I'm attracted to people of the same sex, and I know that this is not God's design, and I want to have the church walk alongside me. And listen, if you're listening to this and you're going, no, that's wrong, you're deciding, they're just doing it out of fear, we can point to a lot of people that have come out of that lifestyle because of the work of the Holy Spirit, and they would lovingly point to what God and the church did to help them. And I know a pastor friend of mine in Morgantown that struggled with same-sex attraction for years, and his testimony is powerful. There's another lady, if y'all are listening to this and you want to hear, Jackie Hill Perry. Uh, she had a book, um, Gay Girl, Good God, and that's a powerful book. Uh, Sam Albury has another book called Is God Anti-Gay? Uh, that's actually a smaller one, um, kind of a, a simple one uh, that's really good. I have another one. I haven't read it yet, but I've heard very good things about it. It's up in my office. I need to read it, but it's called uh, Washed and Waiting, and it's talking about people that struggle with same-sex attraction, but they know they're child of God, and it's, that's uh, what Satan used to tempt them, that type of thing. So those are good resources. So this is what I'm hearing. Correct me if I'm wrong. Your answer to can you be gay and be a Christian, your answer is someone can struggle with homosexuality, be convicted of that, seek forgiveness, and be reconciled. Yes. But that sin still has to be recognized. If the sin is not recognized, if there's no conviction, uh, you know, dismissing Scripture, then that's, that's an issue. That's a you know, by the fruit of that, you're saying the evidence of their lives. I yeah, mean, we don't we don't want to say like, oh, you're a Christian, you're not, you're a Christian, you're no, not. No, but no, it's no. like, it, but but the Bible says that we judge those within the church. We judge those within the church. Um, so somebody who's claiming to be a Christian, who is a part of the church, we are by Scripture commanded to judge one another, yeah. not harshly, lovingly, for the glory of God and the good of the brother or sister. Okay by the fruit of their life. It's the same way that if, like I said, if somebody's an alcoholic and has no conviction about it whatsoever, the fruit of their life would show that there's not presence of the Holy Spirit, okay? But you brought it up before we started, and I'll, I'll end my portion on this. Um, in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about uh, there's a man amongst the church that they're celebrating his sin, and it says he has his father's wife. Okay, so uh, there's kind of debate over that, but it would seem that he is actually sexually engaged uh, in a relationship with his stepmom. That seems to be kind of the common interpretation. There's others to it, but but that would seem to be the common one. And and Paul says that you know this man is not repenting of his sin, and you've allowed him to stay within the church. This na- this man needs to be removed from the church now. We can go into what that means, but he's saying that, you know, he's clearly not a part of the church, uh, you know, that there needs to be repentance. Well, then you find in Second Corinthians, he's like, hey, we talked about that guy. He's shown repentance. Welcome him back in. Yeah, bro's back. Yeah, and so it's like, if it's not that the first time you talk to somebody, they're like, nope, don't have any problem with it. I'm free to do what I want. God's given me that freedom. Doesn't mean that, oh, well, you're not a Christian. It's like, okay, you continue to go back to them. You continue to walk beside them. You continue to love them and remind them of what the gospel is. And then you, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to continue to work in their lives. And if they are a child of God, God will call them back in. All right. Well, I'm going to rubber stamp that one. Darren, that was a, that was hefty. That was, that was, again, the whole 
point of this. We're not trying to make a social statement. We're not trying to be divisive at all. No. We are just having a conversation between well, can the two I, of and us. Can I say this? If you are a part of, and I'll use the letters, the LGBTQ plus community, okay, um, you are welcome uh, here when our theaters open. <laughs> um, Join us know, online, youtube.com slash grassroots.tv. Yeah, <laughs> we're here to have discussions, to have conversations. We will take a biblical stance. We will try to lean on Scripture to the best of our understanding and our knowledge. That's, that's going to be where we stand. Um, but please understand, you will not feel attacked. Uh, you know, we'll we'll give away books if you're like, well, let me read one of these books. We have them. You can have. We them for will free. stand yeah. by you whenever you're being persecuted. Yes, yes. Listen, I now I will end my part on this. Not be gone. We had um, a lesbian couple that came to uh, the gathering for for quite a while, and this is years back when we were in the old gym. And I remember, you know, Jimmy Jimmy Banton went up to them and he said, "I want you to understand something. You know, as a church, we don't agree." Uh, with your relationship. He said, but I want you to know you're safe here and I will protect you. And if anybody gives you a hard time, please talk to me. And I'm like, amen and amen. All right. If you've made it this far, (laughs) I'm sorry. Now, um, again, we just want to have a discussion and invite you into it. So give us your feedback, text us, send us emails, hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, all those good things. Uh, But you get TikTok. That'd be fun too. But anyway, yeah, what if we got a TikTok there? He's about to, like, stop. If, if Grassroots had a TikTok, oh, we'd be in big trouble. But anyway, you made it this far. You're daggone awesome. Thank you for giving us your time. Love you all. Appreciate you all. Have a good one. Till next time. Mm-hmm.